host Luke Boggs, and I am here now with Commissioner-elect Mariah. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're very happy to have you because we uh, were not able to get you during the campaign like we wanted to because we both got very, very busy as, very as it happens to be at the end of uh, campaign season. Mm-hmm. So we're happy to have you now, yeah. and I appreciate you reaching back out to, to be on here. So of as we were talking uh, to each other, there's a lot we need to talk about. So, yeah, woo indeed. So uh, I just want to get into it by uh, telling you how I came to know, like, who you were. Because okay. I, I find it, you know, really fascinating in the sense that uh, you were Tommy Valentine's campaign manager. Yeah. And as you, I was watching his campaign get started up, I had two thoughts about it, which was the first one is like, this guy looks like he's running for Congress (laughs) with all of his giant signs and the like fact he announces this huge staff really early and all these people who are volunteers and working on his campaign. And then after that initial launch, what I noticed is as the media was covering the campaign and people working for the campaign, there was almost no coverage of Tommy Valentine himself and almost exclusively coverage of people working for his campaign and especially you. <laughs> and so I would just love to know, like, what you think that represents, like, why you think that happened. Yeah, well, I think that Tommy knew in the work he was doing that it wasn't just about getting him elected, as we've now seen in how the results have shaken out um, two weeks ago. Uh, it's also about... Which, as a programming note, Tommy did not win, Tommy and you did. did. Not win, I won. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I is, we'll get into later, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, it was also about bringing people into politics that hadn't been in it before and showcasing the hard work that they do rather than making it like all about himself. Right. It also it almost became like a problem at times. Like Tommy, you have to put a bio on your website. Like people That was our who, whole podcast with Tommy. Yeah, right, yeah. People need to know who you are because you know he'd grown up here his whole life and there were, you know, debates over his authenticity for us being an Athenian at times. Uh, but he'd lived here since he was five years old and so his unwillingness at times to center himself in like the movement he was building um, sometimes was a was a detriment I think but I also felt uh, the way that he was very purposeful in empowering and highlighting the folks who were doing a lot of the work behind the scenes is uh, one of the reasons why I believe that our the staff and interns and volunteers that we put together and this all the supporters we had any one of them could go out and run their own campaign now because they always felt like in the middle of the action, never like just the foot soldiers of the work, but actually like learning alongside um, all of us as we move forward. And so I, I think that's kind of what what the idea was, like make sure everybody feels like, to realize, make sure everyone realize how important they are to the work we were doing. And I certainly uh, wouldn't be where I am today <laughs> if it hadn't been any different. Yeah, because that's actually kind of where I was going because it seems like, everything you just described answers what I was about to ask you, which was like, why did you end up running? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it seems pretty much a straight line between those two things. Yeah. Well, for like full context, when people, you know, talk, ask me how long I th- thought about being a politician or how I got this work started, I think a lot about the fact that six months ago, when Tommy would say, well, Mariah, when you're the candidate X, Y, Z, I'd say, Tommy, I'm never going to run for office. I'm a hip hop artist. I, you know, I've moved around a bunch throughout my life. I'm this, I'm that. There's no way I could ever, ever run for office. And says Commissioner-elect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the more times he said that, the more I thought about, okay, maybe one day. I've seen that in his profile, like he's gone from being a hip hop artist and like doing community organizing around music 
as a means of like breaking down some racial barriers in Athens um, to you know being a or, you know running for office. And so I started to see, okay, I have all these these traits too that have made him an incredible politician. And so you know, okay, maybe I can go out and do this. But as time wore on, and it became increasingly clear that one. Um, in my district, there would be an uncontested election again after 25 years of them having the same commissioner who largely ran uncontested or never really had a very competitive race against him uh, in all of that time. And also that we may not have the majority on the commission that we need to pass these really bold progressive policy changes that Tom is advocating for and people like Tim Denson and Melissa Link or you know, even our mayor like Kelly Gertz wanted to see happen, you know, without that sixth vote, it might not even be worth it to put, all, put in all this work to get Tommy elected, you know, if there's nothing he can do with the ideas that we've been campaigning on. So um, as his teammate within the campaign, I started to see myself more as like his teammate just politically, like making change in Athens, because that's totally the way we ran the campaign. So sort of prepping people and empowering people to really feel a civic agency and like be the fullest civic agents that they could be. And so um, eventually, as it approached the qualifying deadline, uh, I said, you know, I'll do this. I really believe that in the last year I've learned what it takes to run a really competitive campaign, having worked with pretty, as you've said, like a congressional quality campaign and Athens before and running that out of my house. Yeah. Uh, we discussed having like a coordinated campaign where depending on like the needs of uh, either campaign in either district, we could just shift resources around and have the same staff sort of give marching orders um, to just follow where our campaigns needed. So uh, I decided to jump in and give it a shot because I felt the people in my district deserved the option finally, even if they chose you know, my opponent, and that was at least a, a choice they could make, so, you know, democracy was really playing out over here, and I wanted to push the conversation forward about, like, what we can do around here. Uh, people talk oftentimes about streetlights and sidewalks and things that are, you know, really important for quality of life, but they don't even believe things like having higher wages or better relationships with, like, cops or... Uh, being able to stay in our homes, like they don't know, think about this, like, just pushing that conversation forward, even if I lost, uh, were motivating factors for me. And now here I am. <laughs> <laughs> here, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just crazy because it, you know, sort of being outside of the campaigns, it's sort of what I assumed must have happened. It yeah. was it was because it just seemed so like inevitable uh, from watching the the media narrative and just watching. Uh, what I was hearing from my friends who were working for your campaigns. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting how organically that struck up because if, um, you know, if, if people who don't know you guys as well as I do, you know, it, it would seem a little more orchestrated than, than it was probably. I would think. Yeah, it was kind yeah. of like slapdash, like, all right. Yeah. Because there's sometimes you have to just jump in. You yeah. Know, you just have to jump in. You see, like, a fire in a building, you gotta just rush in and save people. And that's where I feel like we're at with politics right now. There's, you can wait for the fire to fire, you know, fire department to come. Maybe they're coming. Maybe you have to be the one that's the hero. So, like, just kind of randomly deciding, all right, yeah. I have to give this a try because no one else is going to. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting that you, you bring up the moment we're in because that was one of the other things we want to hit on. It's just like, this is a crazy political moment, not just, uh, you know, in Georgia or Athens, just but everywhere. But the same night that you got elected, a lot of other female African-American candidates got elected. And 
some were not surprising in the, the effect Stacey Abrams ran an amazing yeah, yeah, campaign yeah. <laughs> and Ooh. and I mean just blew it out amazingly yeah, yeah. and you know that one did not surprise me but some of the other ones were a lot more surprising yeah. you know Janice Laws uh, yeah. winning insurance commissioner and uh, Tabitha Johnson Green who yeah. I've still not heard a good answer from anyone on yeah. how, how she won that yeah. um, and so like how how does it feel to you to be part of that? Do you is is that important to you? Do you think there's something there that we're missing that we should take away from those results? Or well, I mean, I think that people are you know getting hashtag woke, yeah, and they and they see um, African American female names on the ballot, and they're a lot more appealing just from a sense of like, okay, these people. We have not had adequate representation previously, and it's like just time to hear from us. And so um, I think that might explain some of um, Elisa Case and Tabitha Johnson Green's mm-hmm. mystery scenario. But I think that is very exciting that people are realizing that it's time for equity and willing to show up at the polls to do so. Whereas previously, in local elections, particularly things like insurance commissioner, they might not even know what that is or care or have ever come out to vote for in a primary election for something like that so the level of engagement we're seeing now is pretty dope uh that people are willing to just like trust black women is really dope i do think that um it's really important that we have a anti-racist and feminist restructuring of society through policy as well as representation and so um i will be interested to see what happens next with candidates who might not have been running on very progressive platforms, but who are African-American women um, who are representing our community um, to see how much change we can get made. So it's a, it's a weird time. Uh, I, I won by 13 votes and I wonder how much it was because they're like, it's that girl the Afro. Like, okay, like, let's give her a shot because women don't get a shot. Uh, but whether it's that or the ideas I was running on, you know, here I am and I'm really starting to get to work, so. I find it interesting that you bring up that dichotomy, you know, between, because as we were talking about, like, why you did this and yeah. why you got into it, almost everything you said was, like, a policy conversation. Of, yeah. Like, there are things I would like to see changed in Athens, and, you know, we need these X, Y, or Z results. Mm-hmm. And then when you say, like, why you won, you're not sure if that even mattered at all. Who knows why those 13 people came out and voted? Right. I stopped our, well, I didn't stop a car full of folks. A, a car full of folks stopped outside the polling place where I was waving a sign in the rain and mm-hmm. said to me, I heard it's voting day. Yeah. And, yeah, like, they just came to the polls and they weren't even sure what to vote for. Right. So, like, those little coincidences, any one of them could have been the reason that, that was put over the top. Right. And also, okay, to be fair to myself, I'm suffering from, like, a harsh critic of myself, but, like, I did go from having no campaign to a winning campaign in three months against a candidate who had lived here his whole life and been campaigning for like eight months or something like that so that okay sure something to be said for that but that extra margin i'm just gonna stop you there there's a there's a lot to be said for that like it's like i understand being hard on yourself i'm one of the most like hard on themselves people on the planet but like jesus (laughs) yeah because like that's the uh, yeah like i i was aware of that sort of like subconsciously but like consciously saying that like it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. I know. Yeah. I've been really hard on myself for the reasons why I won. Probably. Works, probably way harder than anybody should. Yeah. As in a local race like this. That would obviously um, pay off with 13 votes as yeah, <laughs> your yeah. winning margin. So. Also, every, every turn in my campaign, I faced opposition. People who heckled me at my campaign announcement. 
radio interviews that were antagonistic, things like that. And I showed up anyway. Yeah. Um, where other candidates might choose to stick where their sphere of influence is already high or avoid people who like you know don't see eye to eye with them already. And I've never shied away from anything like that. And so... Uh, because I, I, you know, I'm, I am very self-critical, and I welcome criticisms of me because I want to be a better person and I want to serve my community the best I can. So I, I, if we're on the topic of like how that happened, how I won, I think that's really like, yeah. one of the things that did serve me well. Yeah. But what was the question we were talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry, that happens. That happens. Okay. Free willing conversations. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, we were just talking about. Um, no, you're talking about policy. Yeah, well, just the distinction between policy and representation. Yeah, Because yeah. in some of these races, there's been a lot of people expressing concern that that was the main reason that some people won. And that, yeah. and, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just sort of, I, I guess what I was asking just for you personally, if it made any difference, since you are so focused on policy, if people didn't vote for you for that reason if that if it makes any difference to me that that they didn't vote for me for that well while the reason they voted for me i'm I'm gonna be in here to to do the policy work right um so i guess i i don't care yeah in that case yeah i guess i'm fine with it yeah uh but i do want to use my position to advance conversations about policy in these communities right regardless so okay you elected me now let's sit down and talk about what issues y'all are facing and what options we have for addressing these problems and not just simple solutions like, oh, well, there's a trap house on the corner of my street, and so I really want more cops around here. Let's let's push a little further and think about like, why are people selling drugs? Is it because like if they had option to have more gainful employment, do you think they'd go for it? Do you think if they had more educational opportunities, they might be interested in something other than just like sitting on the stoop like selling dime bags? Um, so regardless of why I got elected. Um, I'm in a position now to keep pushing that conversation. So hopefully, if when I'm reelected, it's because people know that I'm really serious about policy that's going to help change things. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that conversation leads me to the other uh, conversation that I saw surrounding your campaign yeah. specifically and people working with it, which was the BuzzFeed article that yeah. you guys were in, where there was a lot of. Uh, division even among a unified group who were all working to support you and Tommy uh but you know there was about half of the group there that and it was all women but half of them were uh willing they all all of you guys were Abram supporters right yes I think yeah yes. but about half were like if Evans wins I won't be excited <laughs> by it but I will definitely support her in the same way that I'm supporting uh, the campaigns I'm currently working for and then there was uh, you know, another group that was very strongly not going to support Evans, and then you're kind of in the middle, right? Like a little bit. It's been yeah. a while since I've read, but yeah. I was like, I was the less vehement of the. If Evans wins, I'll probably work on other campaigns. Right. Uh, viewpoint. Yeah. I think. I mean, hate to hate to say it, but like we, as we saw in the presidential election of 2016, when people are. When the lesser of two evils gets torpedoed, mm-hmm. it wakes people up to the fact we need something radically different and better than the, any of the options we had. Right. When it comes to supporting a candidate, I feel lukewarmly about and who I feel has a lukewarm relationship with the communities of struggle that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better for them to lose to someone that's really terrible if that's going to wake everyone up to how important it is to get somebody radical in that office next time around. So uh, I think that's where my friend Amani was at. She was like, 
I'll, I'll, you know, take her out or like, you know, whatever she, she said. Right. Whereas some of, some of my, um, my camping staff who were on the conversation were like, oh yeah, we'll support Evans anyway. And I wonder, uh, I mean, that divide it happens was racial. Like, you know, the two yeah. white women in the conversation were like, well, we'll support Evans anyway. And Amani and I were like, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, and so I, I, uh, I wonder what that's about. What do you think that's, what do you think that's about? I mean, that's true, but we're saving it for the end. <laughs> it was just like, let's ask the white Christian Protestant straight male what he thinks. Yeah, because there's, there's not enough of that going on. Um, yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I the way that I look at it is um, I will be okay no matter what happens. Yeah. If Donald Trump is president for four, eight, or 16 more years somehow, I will probably be fine unless he ends the world. Um, but a lot of other people and communities that I care about won't be fine mm-hmm. if, you know, cause it's just like the difference between a, you know, using the specific example that we're talking about between a Casey Cagle administration and a Stacey Evans administration would be pretty radical. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, the first thing I want to say is I actually agree with your point that I think that having four years of Casey Cagle would probably embolden the Democrats to push harder if Evans had won and then lost against Cagle. Yeah. Like, that's probably true. I guess I guess is that I've... There's very few candidates that I've been, like, 100% very happy with. Yeah. And so it's, it's very easy for me to, you know, say, I'm getting 80% of what I want, and they seem to have similar values, if not the same values as I do, mm-hmm. and they'll push for the things I care about. Mm-hmm. Um... And, you know, that's that's the thing that I get concerned about is that there's this tendency in the Democratic Party, especially, and on the left in mm-hmm. general, of letting, you know, the perfect be the enemy of good. And mm-hmm. whereas, like, if Casey Cagle or Brian Kemp wins, they will get 95% at least of the Republican vote. Every mm-hmm. single one of them will be, like, behind them. Whereas if Evans had won, I think she would have saw a lot of... Uh, a Democrat sniping against each other, yeah, and it's yeah. just like I don't, I don't see how it advances progressive causes for us to constantly be shooting each other in the foot and then get surprised when we get beat. Yeah. Um, and it's just the policy goals that we have are very similar. Like, yeah. it, it, you know, I, I, I think it would be a very intensely boring conversation if you or I or anybody else sat down for an hour and tried to distinguish on policy Stacey Abrams and Stacey Evans because they wanted the same things. Um, And so it's just, I I, I guess my main thing, and I'd love if you could explain it to me because I don't understand, (laughs) is why people so vehemently did not like Evans. Because I can understand being like, I am not excited about Stacey Evans. Totally understand that because, you know, she's not, she was not a charismatic candidate and she's not campaigning charismatically at all. Um, so I understand, like, not feeling great about her, but I don't get the, like, really strong negative feelings associated with yeah. her. Yeah, and, I, and I, I was, again, like, sort of in this middle area of, like, my feelings about her were lukewarm. I definitely did not hate her. Right, right. Um, well, just suppose, to, like, yeah. just to clarify, like, would you have voted for her? Yeah, Because, like, Amani would not have. Yeah, she, she, yeah she said. Um, yeah. But I think it's really, I think making politics sexy again, right. <laughs> uh, like, you know, taking it back to the era of 2008, is so important for keeping people engaged with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like the, the charisma um, of Abrams and her ability to 
as we all know, being like lefties and talking about this all the time, ability to mobilize the base and bring people yeah. in who, you know, might not have voted in like 10 years or might not have ever voted or ever cared to get them engaged with politics again. I mean, that's, I mean, that's when our democracy is strong, when people are paying attention, when people care. And in addition to policy points, which, yeah, they're like, you know, the same person practically on those terms, um, the ability to bring people into the conversation mm-hmm. and bring their attention to the issues which are going on. I think it's an important part of public service and, you know, political leadership, so. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. And that explains why people likes a- liked Abrams. Right, right. But I'm still confused about like why people so strongly disliked Evans. That's that's, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, yeah. So I guess I can't speak to that because I did not hear right. her at any right. point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have to follow up with um, yeah with Amani on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just fascinates me because you know I understand I understand being excited and not being excited, but just. There were a lot of people and a lot of conversations going on as if Evans was like the enemy of progress yeah, in a like, like real. Yeah, I mean, she was right. Like, well, well, it's yeah. just like, and also like she literally instantly endorsed Abrams. Like there yeah. was no question. And yeah. I, knowing her, she will probably do all she can to get her elected. Yeah, and so it's yeah. just, it's just, it's just a bizarre conversation. And the reason, is, the reason I bring it up is because I think Democrats and you know left left wing activists of all kinds needs to understand why that happened to try to prevent it from happening again because it's well like why like evans was so easily like demonized oh yeah Yeah, yeah. because it's gonna because you know things will not always turn out the way they did you know uh a couple couple weeks ago and sometimes the evans of the world will win yeah. Um, it's the affectivity of like of politics. It's just like sports sometimes. Yeah. Like when Georgia loses to Florida, like why like why hate them? It's just yeah. sports, but people like love their teams. And so I think that's really why she was demonized. She didn't yeah. do anything wrong. It's just yeah. people love their teams. They pick a team and anything anybody else does, it's not a team. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. My my personal theory is that Evans did not articulate a good case for why she was running against a the first major African American woman candidate that could have won who was Yale educated and a former minority leader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. you know because the only reason that I could understand it is that I personally knew both of them. Mm-hmm. And that was because had I not personally known both of them, I would have been confused, I think. Yeah. And so since I know, like, their work dynamics and little minute things that they care about uh, differently, then that that's really the only reason I could answer that yeah, question. Yeah. And I so I, I think, that and that, that's my personal theory, is because, and a lot of people felt like the only reason she was running was because a black Stacy was running and there should be a white Stacy option. Hmm. I don't think that's true, but I, I feel know. like that's that's what a lot of people read into that. Yeah. But then again, not a lot of us ever heard from her. I never got to see her speak. I, I think it's yeah. the difference in like the ground games that are running and where they're going and how. And so, uh, yeah, I never got to hear her articulate why she was better yeah. than Abrams. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, and that goes to, you know, uh, and this is probably the last thing I should say, okay, which is that was one of the worst campaigns I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah it was, well, it was bad. Go. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. We could spend a whole two hours on that. I yeah. bet. And yeah. I would be fascinated to find out some of the Yeah, well, yeah, offline. <laughs> offline, <laughs> we can talk offline. about that. Well, you know, I, love, um, I obviously love and miss campaigning already. Like, I yeah. This, this, we were at my house right now, and yes. um, this used to, used to be the campaign headquarters, and so I'd have like 10 or 12 volunteers here sometimes like every day. Right. Like, you know, at least eight, four days a week. Uh, for like six months and so 
it's very quiet here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the interns and volunteers we had were students, and so they're like back in Kennesaw or wherever. Um, so it's not even like, yo, let's go get a beer or something. Like they're just not even around. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the sense of like a shared goal has been somewhat dissolved, and so uh, I love campaigning. I'm gonna miss being a campaign manager. Um, I probably will get back at it one day. You, you know there's a lot of campaigns going on right now, right? Well, I'm not, <laughs> but now I'm just switched over to, all right, I'm elected official. I gotta like... Oh, that's put, true. Put you have to my, weigh it. Put on my... Uh, yeah, my politician hat on. Yeah. I have to run again in like a year. Yeah. So like I'll have to run my own campaign again probably. Uh, so that can wait. I'll come back to that. But right now I gotta like do good governance. So yes. Um, I, I would be fascinated to know, too, just because, you know, since you are saying earlier in the conversation how you just, like, never saw yourself as a politician yeah. or running for office, oh, no. but then you're like, I love campaigning and, like, love, like, doing the thing that most politicians hate to do, and so I just find that yeah. interesting, like, like how quick was that to you, like, of, like, loving doing the actual, like, campaigning? So I, I loved being Tommy's campaign manager. I loved, um, like, the tools we used. I loved going out and talking to people. I loved him getting people pumped up and inspired to go talk to folks. And, like, pretty much nobody in our, of our, like, campaign interns or anybody had ever worked for a campaign before. Some of them were so nervous, like, oh, I don't want a phone bank. I don't, I don't like talking to strangers. And then they ended up being some of the, like, most charming folks on the phone and things like that. See those transformations in people as they, like, continued to work with us. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And so uh, the shift from to being a politician... Uh, what was the rest of your question? Well, I, I just in general, I was just asking, yeah. like, why do you think you like campaigning so much? And, like, what, how... Yeah, how... Oh, it's that. It's just getting people stoked about their civic agency mm-hmm. and, like, their ability to go out and inspire other people and go to parts of town and parts of, you know, our state even. Uh, when I was working for, like, Jonathan Wallace, for example, just volunteering, canvassing, stuff like that, going to places I would never go to normally. Uh, and talking to folks and just hearing what their perspectives are and seeing different kinds of life and also um, walking away from it that those folks realize how much they matter too. Like, oh, this person came all the way to my house to talk to me. Are they, are they spending an hour on the phone with me? They didn't have to talk to me that long. Right. They sent me a postcard in the mail. That's so sweet. Little things that show people, like, yes, you matter. Every single person here matters so much and we're like out here working for you. If I manage, if I manage to uh, govern the way that I campaign in terms of connectivity of community going out all the time and like making sure people are informed and we're collecting their input it should go pretty well i think yeah uh i think that it's sad that people do stop campaigning they do stop like all right like we did it you know wipe my hands of the of the canvassing the phone banking because now i'm gonna go to all these closed door meetings right uh i don't think it should work that way at all so i'm hoping that it's not over for me and that what i loved about campaigning will also live in the way i govern yeah, well, and you're, you know, really lucky that you're county commissioner because yeah. for a congressperson, it's not very, you know, reasonable to do that reasonable. since you're, you have to be in D.C., but, like, you are always in the community which yeah. you represent. I'm so here, yeah. it will be a lot easier for, for you to do that. And, and speaking of representing your, you know, community, you're going to be doing that very soon. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, so, because when do you get sworn in? Is Tuesday. it Tuesday? Oh, yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. 
Should have assumed, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Ian, just as a, a programming note, you are getting sworn in because you're taking over Harry Sims' seat since he ran for mayor and stepped down. So you are actually finishing out his term rather than yeah. getting elected for a full term. And yeah. that's also why you'll be running again before too long. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I will have the honor and privilege of voting for you. So, Yay! yeah, because I'm... I, yes, I'm now a constituent of yours. Um, so, like, how do you feel that the... Uh, turnaround is so significantly quicker for you than a lot of the other people. And we'll, we'll get into that, you know, yeah. in a minute, but just like how you feel like that you, in like a three month period, <laughs> went from never running for office to being elected. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I thrive on pressure. I really do. Right. The times in my life where I've had a moment to breathe, it's been very unsettling for me. I can't just sit and hang out. Um, and so it makes sense to me uh, that I should be so swiftly like thrown into this thing it's right. kind of how my life works and so it's like oh of course this is happening to me like sure yeah yeah no no doubt uh so while it has been a really steep learning curve and really intimidating in some ways you know just sitting and talking with uh nancy denson and the city attorney and all these folks uh and being in the commission chamber and like these these moments are still very surreal at times mm-hmm. and I'm aware of dynamics such as age and uh, race, which like put me in a weird position with a lot of these folks. But I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I found the whole transition to be so fascinating, and I I love it. I love everything I've learned so far. I am super excited. So uh, though there's moments of surreality, where I'm like, what? This is really happening. Uh, it's mostly it's mostly been like super exhilarating. Yeah. Well. I can't only imagine because the turnaround is is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but one one of the the other elements of that turnaround though is that you are the only person that was part of this big Athens wave to be sworn in so wow. soon. Melissa Link is continuing to serve. That's true. Term, so That's yeah. true. So she and her are like homies, and um, I'm really excited to like be working with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause our ideals are pretty aligned, and we just want to, we want the same things for our communities, and our communities look similarly in some ways. So they have a lot of the same problems. Uh, but yeah, other than her, uh, and you know, Mayor Elect Gertz, who will still be on the commission until January. Uh, we're still waiting on all our on the squad to, yeah. to roll up. So uh, it's an interesting dynamic. It does feel like, as you said before we uh, started recording, uh, it does kind of feel like walking into the wolves' den or something yeah. like that, uh, because a feeling so different from all the other commissioners. But I think I I have the opportunity to just be the voice of the people who have been so frustrated with the commission that we have had. Yeah. Uh, I am honored to have, and I take it very seriously, and I want to do it well. So the pressure's on, but also it's a, I'm very honored to have that opportunity. Yeah, and and, sen- and since I, I think it's safe to say the current leadership of the commission is going to be kind of hostile to you guys coming yeah, in, based probably. off of like public interviews that they're giving. I don't feel you know uh, yeah. feel like that's a, a harsh thing to say. Yeah. Um, so your policy priorities are probably not going to happen no, this year. No. And like having this like. I don't want to call it like a holding period, but like this period where, yeah, a lot of my policy like ideas aren't going to go anywhere for a little while. Right. But I do have the opportunity to start going out in the community again as elected official and say, hey, what do you all want to see? Um, what do you think about this idea and that idea? And yeah, maybe that idea sounds kind of scary, but think about it in this way. As well as collecting bits of, uh, of community history to sort of inform 
the way that we should be doing this work. Uh, so I think that there hasn't before, or there hasn't here for like 25 years, been a very communicative commissioner. And so the best thing I can do, in addition to just kind of like voicing opposition to things that people feel frustration in, is just showing people that like, I'm here to listen, I, I'm, I want your opinions, and I'm going to keep you informed of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because we haven't had that before, and I want people to know that they matter. Yeah. And, you know, since you, you do have a little bit of time before everyone else comes in, what are, what are you hoping to, like, learn about the commission while you're on there in this, this lame duck period, really? I, I guess, like, understand more, like, what things have gone wrong and, like, why to, like, look closely at, like, what mistakes, missteps or mistakes have been made and, what, and now what problems those have created, as well as, like, what things have worked well. Right. Uh... I don't, I like, I clearly like Athens, and so some things must have gone right, and so how are they able to do those things? What um, form do those, those kinds of decisions make, or take, rather, what form do those decisions take? Um, and making sure some of that knowledge also lives on, since, as you noted, I think, in a previous conversation, we're losing a lot of institutional knowledge from people who've been on commission a long time, and so being able to sort of be that overlap to a degree with having served with these folks for seven months before they do... Uh, set down will be important yeah because I guess if I was in your position I one thing I've noticed is you know because I've been a part of a lot of boards with you know significantly less power than a county commission but one thing that I've noticed happens a lot of times um, when new boards are elected or new you know old leadership leaves is that everyone thinks that we got rid of you know, X person who has been holding everything up and then it's going to be, you know, happy days are here again as soon as we get the new people in there. And so in Athens especially, since there is all this excitement and energy, the thing that I would be the most afraid of is y'all getting in there and then the same stuff starts up that the current commission's mm-hmm. going through of like mm-hmm. not getting anything done and yeah, yeah. having those concerns and so because those relationships with those offices and those departments and those people who do hold a lot of the behind the scenes power aren't sustained and so it's like kind of having to start from scratch with like hey well it's that but then also it's just sometimes there's limitations to the institution mm-hmm. you know because like it, you know being the president of the young democrats of georgia for example i when I got elected, I, there was a lot. I thought I was going to be able to get a lot more done a lot quicker, and mm-hmm. I thought that because there were there was a lot of instability with the leadership before me, having stability would uh, bring more involvement and lot, a lot more trust in the institution. And mm-hmm. I see myself facing a lot of the same problems mm-hmm. that yeah. my predecessors faced, and so yeah. that sort of that would be like my big concern for yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. going in there. And I just. I just wonder, you know, what, what could be done during this period to try to prevent that from happening. Yeah, well, we, there are plans for all of us uh, new kids on the block to, like, sit down and discuss some of these issues. Like, okay, we want to get this done. What are the potential barriers to that? What of this can be worked on now? With, right. uh, having two commissioners on uh, on board with these ideas who can, you know, consult these folks in different offices to see, all right, what's going to stand in the way? What can we sort of start moving forward on currently? Mm-hmm doing the research to figure out what the hurdles could be so that when we get in, hopefully we'll be ready for as many of them as possible rather than just assume it's going to be easy peasy and then become frustrated because it isn't. Well, it makes me happy you guys are already talking. <laughs> We've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we're excited. You know? yeah. I, I, feel, I kind of feel bad for 
people can't start this soon because they gotta like just sit around and wait for seven months. So yeah, out of excitement, I think people really want to just get get to work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you know what? Since expectations are so high, like how how are you trying to understand what you guys can get done? Like you know what what things are you thinking will be easy to get done and which things are going to be harder to get done because that that's one conversation that i hope that we have uh before january rolls around just because i feel like expectations are sky high that you know like come when it wasn't when does everybody else get sworn in january, january like january what like you know uh, yeah i don't know january yeah yeah so like you know whatever january 10th or whatever comes around and like why isn't you know pot legalized and the buses are free and you know we have like trams running everywhere you know like liberal utopia you know takes over ever a day and like it's just it's just not gonna happen that way probably and it's just i feel like a conversation does need to be had to constituents and to um yeah because because constituents don't always understand how these things work and that just is a problem for our democracy generally. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just feeling like everything is so mystified and th- th- thusly feeling disillusioned from being involved in politics and, uh, because it seems so scary and like inexplicable. Sitting down and figuring out how to explain to folks what the process is going to look like, mm-hmm. what the barriers could be also, so that, sure, we probably will get started on the process of decriminalizing marijuana here and doing bail reform pretty soon after everyone gets in office because we know those things could take a very long time right to get out of the way uh starting to work on making the city buses free uh in 2019 knowing it might be until 2020 when it takes effect right uh so but then also being in communication with our constituents so they know like hey so remember how we said buses are going to be free they are but we have to wait for the the fair things to expire or like to you know go contracts default. and all contracts, that kind of so stuff. those get out of the way yeah then we'll phase them out and then this will happen and then by this time they will be so that people know oh like a sense of security and knowing like what it, like the steps are and also just appreciative that we tried to let them know yeah because some a lot of times people don't even try to let people know how these things work so yeah yeah i think that's a really good point yeah, and, and that that would be my biggest concern, just because sure. people people have very rightfully so you know freaked out and how big of a change it is. And I mean, to to me, I always sort of joke that if Greg Lustein ever shows up, something big happened in Athens. And the fact that he was at the Clark County you know Democratic meeting yeah. on uh, Thursday, where uh, we we both got our post seats uh, okay. on the committee, so fellow committee member. But yes, yes. Thank you. And congrats to you as well. Um, but um, yeah, just like the fact that he showed up to that just to like see what's going on in Athens. It was just like, oh, this is a big deal. You know, that that's usually how I measure if, a, you know, people are noticing something big is happening here is if the AJC shows up. And so, um, yeah, it, it's a big deal and the excitement's high. And I, you know, and we've had a lot of wins lately with, you know, Deborah and Jonathan mm-hmm. both winning their special elections. And so mm-hmm. that would be my, my, you know, big concern that it would disengage a lot of people if you guys, uh, I think it's boring. yeah, they're waiting around for the utopia to, Right. What they wake up to. Or, or you know, even worse, that people get mad, <laughs> and you know, yeah, yeah, and start losing faith in in the new commission 
before they've even had a chance to figure out where the bathrooms are. Yeah, yeah, right, so, yeah. yeah so. Well, now I'm shook. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's right, it's all yeah, on yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to keep people engaged. It's hard to keep people satisfied because it is sometimes very slow going. It's not very, like, cool sounding mm-hmm. <laughs> when we describe the way all this stuff works. So these are very real obstacles we'll face. Yeah. yeah. Well, luckily, you will not lack... Uh, plans and, and you know studies and all yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff because Athens has so many of them yes. <laughs> just just laying there laying yeah okay, spending right. all of our money on those instead of actually doing anything recommending oh them gosh. so yeah. that's my pet peeve so yeah, yeah. yeah I will I'll I will I will, I will die on that hill so <laughs> yeah it's like I will, I will happily vote for you again as long as you just stop paying for <laughs> studies and Why commissions use the studies? yeah that would be great the studies? yeah okay. like but yeah it's like we you know that that's that's all I really want from you is that it just use use the damn studies please because we've spent so much money on them. Um, so in this conversation, though, of all these like bigger ideas that everyone wants to get done, uh, one thing I found really interesting was um, how there were several campaigns, you know, yours, Tommy's, Tim's, Melissa Link's, and to some extent Russell, but lesser, were talking about what I would call like national issues in the sense that like uh, fare-free buses, like that could be important anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, decriminalize- decriminalization of marijuana and cash bond, mm-hmm. like in rid of those, like that could be anywhere. So one of the things I noticed Russell did with his campaign a lot that at first I was skeptical of, but then it seemed to actually work was like he had a lot of like Athens specific stuff mm-hmm. that he wanted to do, like specifically making downtown more kid friendly was one of his big things. Mm-hmm. And so I would be curious to know like what things in District Two that are very specific to Athens or your district, like do you really really want to see have happen that you yeah. think you will get be able to push because I feel like a lot of the attention is going to be on these bigger issues that we've been talking about. But what about like those issues, smaller issues that are more personal to your community? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's going to be really important to uh, think about how we can bring more businesses to District Two. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not. I mean, most people work at like the at manufacturing plants or the university. There's not really jobs in District Two right. that are walkable for folks. Or that pay them enough for them to provide for their families. It's, if anything, and it's like the two couple of convenience stores, like a Dollar Tree, things like that. Um, there's some industry along Lexington Road, but again, that's not like a very walkable area right now because of like sidewalk conductivity and things like that. So thinking about how we can increase the stock of good paying jobs right here where people live so that we have our own sort of microcosm of activity uh, the way that Five Points has or the way that Normaltown is. Uh, I think that empowering the youth in this community is really important. There's a lot of kids who uh, feel like they don't matter because there's not a lot of resources over here, not a lot of things for kids to do. And so utilizing the spaces we have available um, in like the East Athens Community Center or places like the Nellie B Community Library, which for, there's just so many rooms inside there that are just collecting dust because there's not funding for programming there. Um, there's not really a community initiative taken to pool funds to make something happen. And I think that if we start to really take these community assets seriously, we have all these spaces that are so great, but actually start to use them, I, I envision us having a lot fewer issues with... Um, like youth crime and things over here, which are also kind of big. So yeah, those are two district-specific priorities of mine. Mm-hmm. And why do you think those things haven't happened yet? You know, you know, why why is Five Points in Normal Town where you'd like to see District Two 
you know, why, what, what differences do you think exist between the areas? Yeah, I mean, it's twofold. We had a commissioner who for 25 years was seen as the quiet one. So that means that when they're deciding how funds are going to be apportioned to different parts of the county, uh, maybe didn't speak up sometimes, things like that. But also, to speak for like the, about the rest of the commission, I think that, you know, five points is white. Normaltown is white. Like, people don't think that, they don't think about East Athens because they don't want to think about East Athens because it's largely African American. And so I think a conjunction of like a lack of strong vocal leadership from within the community as well as um, a desire to, for erasure of the community by um, leadership in other parts of town that are made uncomfortable by it are reasons why we don't have a bank, a district two, or a fire station, or a grocery store, or um, have, or why we have these facilities that are going underused, why we have these places without sidewalks and streetlights and other ways that, other things that make people feel connected to their community and welcome to traverse it. Uh, I think it's twofold in that way. So. Yeah, I think, I think that probably is true, <laughs> knowing, knowing yeah. what I've seen from the commission before. Yeah, the, the other thing I was uh, really, you know, curious about, with you is that um, I think out of everyone else that uh, was running, you're the only one that had like another independent persona from like a politician you, and you have like musician you. Yeah. And so like, what what's gonna happen with that now? Uh, it's funny because um, Tommy on the campaign trail would always tell me when, once I had become a candidate too, and we would speak at these forums and like events and things. Like Mariah, you gotta give them more Mariah and less Lingua Franca. <laughs> like. You know, people want some, want to know there's someone with like a steady hand on the wheel. Right. I feel like for me it is my rap persona uh-huh. being able to like speak very boldly and confidently and um, uh, succinctly on problems that I have seen in my life that I see around me that bother me and not shy away from them. Like mm-hmm. that is me, like two hands on the steering wheel, doing my thing. And so it's funny that just funny to say to have this persona that's separate from politics when really I feel like those two persona are different from like me sitting at this kitchen table right um, those are the like, overlapping ones and then there's like me going into the kroger and like just buying you know cookie dough or whatever so um with that i don't have a whole lot of stuff planned i do i mean because you put out an album like I put out yeah album. like during the campaign i announced right? my campaign at my album release show there you go yeah, <laughs> Uh, they really are intertwined. They really yeah. are intertwined. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's always music for me. It's always been a platform for like political, like expression. So, right. So does it make any sense for you to try to uh, separate those parts of my life? Uh, but yeah, I am working on a second album that had like a really tumultuous May, like personally with like some deaths in my family and like a fire at this house. That oh, you had. yeah. Sorry. Uh, so. Uh, there was a lot of things to process that like music has helped me kind of process as well as just thinking about in- injustice and having now zoomed out to look at it through the lens of policy, not just like personally, like, oh, I heard this story about my friend, that story, like, oh, why are these things, like, why are our stories all so common? You right. Know? Uh, so my music, I guess, is becoming increasingly politically uh, driven, but I've been writing a lot. And I guess I'm going to try to record it and put out a new album either early next year or potentially the earliest December. Uh, I got, I'm performing at AppFest this year. Oh, awesome. Actually headlining AppFest this year on Friday oh. night. And so uh, that'll be interesting. But otherwise, I don't have any tours or anything planned. I don't really have 
have the time to do that kind of thing. And that's okay with me. I feel like I did the music thing and will continue to do it on the side. Uh, I'll never know if I could have gone big, mm. but at some point you can't continue to like accumulate nice stuff for yourself. You have to think about how to take what you have and give yeah. it to other people. So not being super famous or whatever, I don't care. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, I was playing a couple festivals here this summer, working on this album, put it out in December or next year or something like that. And I have, oh, I mean, I've always written just because I need to, and I never see that going away. But if whether or not I feel as driven to create a product of it, like mm-hmm. perform new songs, record new work, we'll see. I've never been super attached to the uh, real, like publish publishing right. aspect of all of it. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah I just yeah, I realized that a lot of it was very political, and so I just yeah, was wondering yeah. if if that was you know sort of that energy was getting channeled into a different stream or if it was as it seems like it has been it's sort of exacerbating that oh, stream absolutely. yeah i have a lot more to say now yeah like i understand a little bit better both why things are the way they are now and what we can do about it in mm-hmm. terms of just empowering folks and making music that like sees helps them see themselves as the ones that are going to go out and change things so yeah um, one reason I didn't run for, want to run for office, I was like, dude, I got all these songs that are about like really hard things I've been through, and I'm pretty explicit about it. And so I'm at an interesting point now where it's like, well, how honest can I be these days? Because I got stories upon stories to tell still that, you know, I think are reflective of systemic issues that do resonate with a lot of people who feel like they can't do what I'm doing now because they've had these things happen to them. Uh, and so balancing back and forth between. Like, is this the thing they put in the radio ad to, you know, have the attack ad when I run again? Yeah. Or is it more important to not worry about that and to continue to show people, like, it doesn't matter what you've been through. You can come do this, too. Yeah. By just being kind of bold and unapologetic about it in my music still. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if I... I, I hope you find a way to you know speak your truth as yeah. as, they, as the kids say, yeah. um, because um, your perspective is very important, and that's one of the reasons oh, I was happy to uh, reconnect with you and yeah. and to do this because um, you are someone who, from afar, I, I realized was saying important things, and you know wanted to to hear you say them to me, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, the um, one last thing I want to ask you is that. Uh, this has been like a crazy six months for you, really. Yeah, and so it's just what crazy. what I would really love to know is just like what you've like learned from it and taken, taken from it. And just the, the whole experience, the whole yeah, gamut. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really know the importance of like asking for help and trusting that people will do the right thing and that giving them that trust can also be transformative for them. Mm-hmm. I have generally been of a mindset of like, I have to do everything myself. I've been very self-reliant and self-sufficient and like um, I have trouble or have had had trouble with like delegating tasks because I, I feel like my problems aren't worth asking help for. Like, right. Oh, I should just handle this myself because I can't call anyone to ask them if they can help me deal with it because my problems are insignificant, whatever, whatever. And so moving past that to say, all right, I'm going to trust this person. I'm going to both acknowledge that I am but one person, and I have to have to have to rely on other people in order to do this work. I'm gonna trust these people are gonna show up um, for the work and do it well, and seeing the way that when you show someone like, hey, I believe in you enough to trust you, this really huge thing, 
the way that she can change her life. That's what that's something that's like the biggest thing that Tommy did for me. Um, as we've talked about throughout this podcast, like I'm very self-critical, and anytime he'd ask me something big as his campaign manager, I thought to myself, I can't do this, I can't do this. Uh, but his trust in me that yes, you can do this, and like I really need this from you because this work we're doing is so important. That completely changed my life, and so my hope. Uh, for the work that I then uh, entrusted others, that it was as transformative for them as well. But just that whole chain of like, knowing that you're just one person, you can't do it alone. Trusting others to help, and the beauty of that is think, the most cool, the coolest thing that I've learned. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And then the last thing is, as I warned you, I'm gonna flip the table hey! and let you ask me something. Okay, so okay. what what shall you ask me? Um. What's it like to be a white guy in 2018? That's a great question. I'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a great question. It's this is gonna be my attack ad. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, this is this is the one that people run against me. Um, being a white guy, uh, it's it's interesting because I think the biggest thing that I have learned is that, and I mean, this is it's sort of like I've always had this subconscious feeling, but now it's very forefront that. I have to do better and that I also have more like ground to make up because, you know, it's sort of, I mean, throughout my, you know, like political life, like I've been very, it's been very easy for me to support African-American and women, women candidates. Like mm-hmm. Barack Obama is literally the first politician I got excited about. Yeah. So it's just like, so on that front, you know, like it's very easy for a lot of people, a lot of white, you know, dudes, especially to slip in to, you know, sort of like the political equivalent of like, I have a black friend, yeah, you know, yeah, of like, yeah, yeah, in that, yeah, like, yeah. I supported Barack Obama. Oh, come on. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. And so like, just for me, it's just like, I, the thing, the thing that I'm grateful for, and I honestly wish that like a lot of the movements that we're seeing happen now had happened earlier in my life. So it could have sunk in in my DNA a little bit deeper because I'm from deep South Georgia. So like a lot of the culture that I was around, you know, luckily like not in my personal family, but just like, you know, like a lot of sexism, racism is is down there. And it's just, it's one of those things that like you're subconsciously absorbing it. Even if you're not wanting to be absorbing it, you are. And so there's a lot of times in my life where I have thoughts that I do not like that I have, but I have to very purposely, you know, say like that is a bad thought that I'm having because of how I was raised or, you know, the people I was around and that's not how I truly believe. Mm -hmm. And so being in this time period in 2018, I felt like on some of the basic things I had, I have them pretty down packed and Mm -hmm. I'm doing the right thing on them. And in 2018, I've learned that there are still other things I could do better on. And so that, that's sort of, that's, that's what I think for me, that's what it's like for other people. I'm sure Sure. they're like scared out of their minds and like, don't know what to do. Um, but like for me, it's, it's mostly just like a, um, learning experience to, you know, do better and, you know, try to make sure that I'm not talking over, uh, other voices that need to be heard. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, great job. Thank you. I think you're doing great. I hope so. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I think you're doing great. Hey, have yeah. well, maybe yeah. not a high five, will it huh. show up on the mic? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah, so thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks yeah. to you. I, I, I hope uh, have you back. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, share the show with a friend and go over to iTunes and give us a rating or a review. 
It really helps other people find our show. We'll be back with another episode of Peach Pod next week. Until then, take care, y'all. Thank you.